Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Uh, this morning we're going to be back in Romans, 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 and we're winding Romans down. Some of you know that we'll be done with Romans in the early fall, and uh, so today we're going to be in Romans again. So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, just so you know, we'd love you to have a Bible. I think that's a great thing, and I always say this. I'm a caveman. I like paper Bibles. I like writing in it. I like feeling it. I like underlining and circling and writing notes. And so if you'd like a hard copy Bible, you don't have to go buy one. We bought them for you. They're out in the lobby. They're on the high top tables that are in the lobby. And uh, I just always say pay attention. Make sure which Bible you're grabbing because we have English and Spanish Bibles as well. And uh, so if you have that, Romans chapter uh, 10, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you would. If you're new here at Cedar Valley, just, you know, we won't up down the whole morning, uh, but we always stand when we read our primary text. And I just always give you the reminder is it's just symbolic for us. It's a tradition for us. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just what we do. And it symbolizes, we understand that this is God now speaking to a room full of people in Bloomington, Minnesota. And so we want to hear what God has to say. We want to give it special attention. This is uh, chapter 10, and I'm going to start in verse 9, follow along. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are actually the same in this respect. They have the same Lord, who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that this is you speaking to us, and we're grateful. Give us ears to hear this morning. Give us hearts and minds to understand, to take in what it is you're saying to us. And I pray, Father, that, that uh, you'll speak clearly to each individual. We come from different places this morning. We're in different situations, and I know you have a word for your church this morning. And uh, so speak to us in a way that brings honor and glory to your great name, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, yesterday... So my father had a, a birthday this week, and uh, everyone, you know, you know this, like when your parents get older and everyone is very special, so we got to be there. I'm very, I've been very blessed. My father's a great man, and so we got to be there. I have an older sister. She was there. I have an older brother. He was there. Uh, my brother's uh, daughter was there. She has children. They're there. And then I have other family, and they're there, and they bring kids, and so it's, it's great, and it's very multi-generational. And so what's interesting is, my father can tell stories about things that, that, that were going on when he was a kid, when he was a child, and even as he got a little older, and it's very different than my life experience, and, and some of those things come up during the conversation. You just, you just mentioned some things, and, and we all have seen how different life has gotten over years, right? Like if you're me, you remember, you remember when, so just, you know, disclaimer, we haven't always had cell phones. So some of you would remember this, that we didn't used to have cell phones. And you would remember when you got your first cell phone and how different that was and how different life has gotten. I remember my first cell phone, it uh, wasn't, I didn't have, a, I, some of you had bag phones. Some of you, had, some of you were really cool, because way, way back, some of you had car phones. Remember those with the really cool antenna that it had, right? And so I didn't have a bag phone or anything, but I remember my first phone. My first phone, 30, it was either 30 minutes it was either $30 a month for 45 minutes, 
or is $45 a month for 30 minutes? It was one of the two. And then there were roaming charges and there was long distance, right? So your phone bill at the end of the month, if you, if you talked almost 45 minutes, it was like $6,000, you remember that? <laughs> and, so, and, and so things are just different. Things have changed, and, and I always say that. Now, now I, I'm feeling like the old guy in the room at times, and it's like, my kids today, you know, we say things like that. So we all admit that. Life has changed, life has changed, life has changed, life is different, things have changed, things have changed. Right, but apart from that, apart from just the change in life, are there ever times that you just, you look around, and you see what's going on today, and you feel like, you feel like, not like a cow. You don't feel like a cow. You feel like the whole world is upside down. Do you feel like that? Have you ever felt like that? Do you look at the tension that goes on in the culture today? Have you looked at the political tension? Have you seen the racial divide that goes on in our country? Have you seen the economic chaos and the economic hardship that goes on in the country today? Have you seen some of these things? Have you seen just the world at, at tension? And, and you see those things, and, and the world feels at times like it's upside down. And you wonder, what's the solution? What's the solution like? What's the answer to all this? What's, what's the answer, clue, and, and, I, and this is, so get ready to write this one down, ready? It's not a political party. I just want you all, I just, I just want us to be clear on that. It ain't gonna be found in a political party. And, and so the question we would ask, really, I think is this. Uh, yes, thank you. What would it take to turn the world upside down again? If the world is indeed upside down, what would it take to turn the world, in other words, what's it gonna to take to, to make the world right side up? What would it take? If the world has already been turned upside down, if we feel at times like the world is upside down today, what would it take to turn the world upside down again? How does upside down happen? And believe it or not, it's actually part of what Paul speaks to today. Paul is gonna show us something uh, regarding turning the world upside down again in this passage in Luke chapter 10. So I hope you have your Bibles open, I hope you're looking at this, but I wanna show you this and look at the passage where he starts to talk in Romans chapter 10. He says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, so part of what Paul is saying here is if you're speaking it out, but also just know this, that it's not just about verbally speaking it out, he's like if you openly declare it, if your life would declare that Jesus is the Lord of your life. Now let's be honest, a lot of folks say it, not a lot of people live it. Are we all on the same page? Okay, so there are times when I say it and I probably look like an idiot, you know what I'm saying? But I think in general, what he's talking about here is not just that we say with our mouth, that's part of it, but that our lives declare. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, this is part of the whole, this is the, the central core belief of Christianity, that Christ raised from the dead. If you don't believe that Jesus actually, physically, rose from the dead, that's not Christianity. Christianity says Christ came, he was himself God, he came, he lived a sinful, a sinless life, he actually was killed, he was put in a tomb, he was there for three days, he wasn't just dead, he was good and dead, he was there three days, and then after being good and dead, he rose from the dead. He says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe that in your heart, you actually believe that, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now this is one of those words, if you're not a church folk, if, you're not a, if you, don't use, you don't usually go to church and you pop into church and you say, yeah, I hear him use that term all the time about being saved. How do I, what am I to think of that? How do I think of that? Being saved simply says is you are right with God. Paul talks all through the book of Romans about being made right with 
God. He's saying you are right with God. You are in right relationship with God. You are acceptable by God. You are accepted by God. You are now safe. So Paul tells us this right from the very beginning. And then he goes on and he elaborates on a little bit in verse 10. He says, for it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. Now he's not saying two separate things here. He's just kind of compounding things. It's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. You openly declare it. Paul's saying these things kind of go together. You believe this in your heart, you declare it, you live it. This, he says, is your saved. Now, just so you know, in other parts of the scripture, this is what's known as, and you'll hear this expression, the good news. It's the Greek euangelion. It's, 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 it's the good news. It's the gospel. It's the good news that you can be actually made right with God. Now, we know this, that all over the world, in religions all over the world, people are constantly striving and doing crazy things to get right with God. What they would say is get right with God. And they'll self-mutilate. There are crazy, ridiculous things where they will self-mutilate. We know that through history, people have actually sacrificed human babies all in an attempt to get right with God. The good news is this, that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if you'll openly declare that, not only as, as just like, hey, I say it, but I live it, you're right with God. This is the good news, and it's always interesting to me because the, the scriptures call this the good news, and I would say, no, this is not the good news. This is the greatest news ever heard. This is the greatest, hey, the stock market went up today. That's good news. This, this is beyond that. This is the greatest news ever. And then Paul goes on. And he says, look, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. Now you and I, we're all, basically most of us here are Gentiles. If you're a non-Jew, you're a Gentile. And we go, yeah, right on, Jew, Gentile, we're all the same. No, 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 go back to the first century. Now remember this, the Apostle Paul's a Jew. He's raised in a Jewish home. He's not just a Jew, he's a Pharisee. What's a Pharisee? Pharisees are Jewish religious leaders. They're the ones who tell other Jewish folks how to be Jewish. That's Paul. P.S. He's the son of a Pharisee. This dude is uber Jewish. Jews and Gentiles, in particular in the first century and prior to that, did not get along. They didn't get along at all. There's no harmony there. And now the Apostle Paul steps up and he says, hey, Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. What respect? In the fact that they can be right with God by believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, by openly declaring it with your mouth. Remember who the Apostle Paul was. The Apostle Paul was ISIS before ISIS was ISIS. The Apostle Paul is dragging people out of their homes. He's having people dragged out of their homes and killed. Why? Because they're declaring faith in Christ. Jews are now declaring, mm -mm, we're not having that. He's going around like he's the, he's the brute squad. He's having folks pulled out of their homes. He's having them killed because of this. And now he's had a radical encounter with Christ. He witnessed the resurrected Jesus. He saw him. He had a radical experience with him. And so now he spends his life and he travels and he proclaims the word and he preaches the word. That's Paul. And Paul says, Jews and Gentiles, they're the exact same in this. Everybody can be the same in this. He goes on. And he says, hey, this may not work this morning, so help me out up there. Sean's still up there? Right, so he says this. They have the same Lord, Jews and Gentiles do, who gives generously to all, notice this word, all who call on the name of the Lord. For here's another one, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's the greatest news ever. Doesn't matter where you came from. 
Doesn't matter what family you grew up in. Doesn't matter what your education is. Doesn't matter how much money you got. Doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. Doesn't matter how many stupid things you've ever done. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if you openly declare that, that Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Everybody is. Then Paul goes on and he says this, but now just remember this. If I tell you, if I'm talking to you like this and I say, oh man, uh, hey, I saw your car, uh, the windshield was smashed. And by the way, uh, this happened to somebody in your family. And I just give you bad news, bad news, bad news. And then I say the word, but, what are you thinking? Oh, maybe something good is going to happen. But if he's just given us the greatest news, it's the greatest news ever, and now you hear the word but, now what are you thinking? Oh, maybe something bad. Well, it's not necessarily bad, but he's going to give us something very sobering. In other words, all of this is great. All of this is phenomenal. Now I want you to think for a minute, because this is a very sobering thought. And he says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? In other words, I've just told you what the good news is. In fact, I've just given you the greatest news ever. But if that's true, and it's true for everyone, it's true for all who call on him, right, but how would those people ever call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And the answer is, well, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't call on him. Paul continues, and he asks this question. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? Well, the answer is that they wouldn't. If they've never heard of Jesus, if they've never heard this greatest news of all time, why would they ever call on him? The answer is they couldn't. And then he asked this question. And how can they hear about him? Oh, unless someone tells them. You see where Paul's going here? You see what he's doing? See, this news is phenomenal. But at the end of the day, folks got to hear about it, and they're not going to hear about it unless folks tell them. So let me just clue you into something. Here's what you are. You're a teller. Now, I didn't say a tattletale. I said you're a teller. There's a big difference. Everybody in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a teller. That's your job. Your job is to tell. It's the greatest news ever, but folks aren't gonna get the greatest news ever if they don't hear the greatest news ever. And they're not gonna hear the greatest news ever if nobody ever tells them the greatest news ever. Like, that can't happen. We gotta think about that. That's our job. It's the greatest news ever. And here's the other thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're pretty much the only tellers of the greatest news. I mean, you all watch TV, you, you, you're on social media, you, see, you know that everybody's offering a solution to all of life's problems. Everybody's offering solutions. You know, man, if you just looked like this, if you just had this amount of money, if you were just having sex with the right people, if you were just in the right relationships, right? Everybody's got an answer. Think about this. If you receive the good news, if, you, if Christ has changed your life, you're the only teller. A lot of other folks are telling stuff, but they're not telling the greatest news ever. And Paul is saying here very clearly, we're the tellers. Now go back to this and think about the original question that I posed. See, how is everything gonna get turned upside down again? How does upside down happen again? How would that ever happen? It's really fun, because if you look in the New Testament, remember this, Jesus was born, there's no followers of Jesus. And then Jesus lived a sinless life. There's no followers of Jesus. And, and Jesus is in ministry now for three years, and there's guys following around him. There's no Christians, there, there's no Christians yet. And then he's hung on a cross, and he suffers horrifically, and he dies. There's no Christians yet, there, there, there's, no, there's no true followers of Jesus. 
And then he's put in a tomb and he's dead there for three days. There's no true followers of Jesus. There's no Christians yet. And then he raises from the dead. Still no Christians yet. Still no true followers of Jesus. And now he starts appearing to folks. And he's appearing to folks. And he's appearing to folks. And folks start to witness a resurrected Jesus. They start to see him. This stuff is real. He even performs some more miracles after he's been resurrected. Oh, now what happens? Well, they can't contain it, and they're starting to tell people about it. One of those people is the Apostle Paul, who has a radical encounter with the resurrected Christ. Now, Paul's traveling, I always say, the Mediterranean Rim. That's where he goes, and he's planting churches, and he's preaching powerfully, and there are some folks out there that don't like it. They're not liking what's happening. They're not liking, some of them, it's affecting them economically, and they don't like it. And so when you get to Acts chapter 17, Paul and Silas are in the city of Thessalonica, and they're traveling, and they're preaching the word, and they're preaching the word, and they're preaching the word, and some folks are not liking it, and so they got a plan. And so here's what they say. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go down into the town, we're gonna get some troublemakers, and we're gonna go down into the town, and we're gonna get some folks to start a riot. And then we're gonna blame it on this Paul and Silas. That's what we're gonna do. And so they do, they, they go get some troublemakers, and troublemakers are, are rousing up trouble, and now they go to get Paul and Silas. Well, guess what? Paul and Silas were onto him, and they've already left town. They were staying with a guy named Jason. That's where they were staying, at his house. And so these guys, Paul and Silas have already left town. These troublemaker folks, they go to the house of Jason to get Paul and Silas, who have already left town. And the scriptures tell us this, but when they failed to find them, Paul and Silas, because they're gone, when they found, failed to find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers, not his biologic brothers, brothers in Christ. They're grabbing some of the Christians, and they pull them out before the city authorities. And here's what they say. These men are turning the world upside down. You understand what's happening? They're telling. They are the tellers. They're telling the greatest news of all time. They're telling folks, and it's turning the world upside down. I'm saying, what if we did that? What if we started telling the greatest news of all time? We were living it. We were telling folks we could turn the world upside down again. That stuff can happen again. Like, I, I, I understand, I've read biblical, biblical prophecy, I understand what starts to happen in the end times, but are we supposed to just throw our hands up in the air and do nothing? The answer is not a political party. The answer is not better jobs, you having more money. I'm all for it, I'm all for it. If you get a better job, you make more money. I'm all for it. That's not the solution, that's not the answer. The answer is not found in activism, I'm all for it sometimes. But I'm saying, what if we were telling the greatest news that ever happened and more and more people were finding out about Christ? What if more and more people were surrendering their lives to Christ? What if that was happening? Paul has a protege, his protege is young Timothy, and Paul's talking to Timothy and he says this, hey, preach the word. Don't, 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 go, don't get bugged out about the word preach. Like, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a preacher, I'm a teacher, right? I'm not, I don't have that gift really of preaching. But some folks say, well, I'm not a preacher. I can't preach the word. No, no, no. This means to proclaim, to explain the word of God, to tell it, to tell it. You're the tellers. We're the only tellers. And further, he says this, be prepared. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Be prepared. Always be ready. Further, we see this in the scripture. We're told this. If someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready. To what? To explain it, to tell it. Always be ready. 
This word that's be prepared, be ready, the picture is of a soldier. The picture of a soldier who's standing guard, and, and I know they didn't have long bayonets, but that's the one that comes to my hand. You're some guard. I always think of, of a Buckingham Palace, and there's always the guard. And you're ready. We're prepared. We're always ready. We're on the lookout. And this is what I think has happened. I think a lot of what's happened in the church today is we've kind of fallen asleep. I think we've just kind of forgotten. We've forgotten that we're actually tellers that we're the only tellers, that we're the tellers of the greatest news. It's the greatest possible news. It's the greatest news that's ever been recorded. That people can be made right with God if they believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, if they openly declare it with their lives. I think we're snoozing. I think we're snoozing. I, I, I think I'm snoozing. I'll say it that way. I think I'm snoozing. If I'm snoozing, maybe somebody else in the room is snoozing. Maybe we've fallen asleep. Maybe we've forgotten the urgency of our message. Maybe we didn't stop and think, oh, snap, this can turn the world upside down. That could happen. Think about this. What if the people of Cedar Valley got busy? What if the people of Cedar Valley got busy as a church? I know some of you go to schools. I'm never going to be in those schools. I'm never going to be in those classrooms. I'll never be in your fourth period math class. You're so glad about that. I'm never going to be in there. But you're going to be in there. And you're there most days. And what if you were just ready and you were prepared? You were always ready and you spoke up and you said something. Like how could that change one person's life? And then some of the rest of y'all, you're, you're going to work every day. And you're always ready. And you're always prepared. And you shared Christ with somebody. And they came to Christ, that one person, except now there's really two. And some of you all actually live in a neighborhood. Anybody live in a neighborhood? Okay. You live in a building, you live in a neighborhood. What if you were always ready? What if you were always prepared? And an opportunity arose and you told somebody, because you're the tellers, you're the only tellers of the greatest news that's ever been heard. And you shared that with them. And one person, one person, except now there's one, and there's two, and there's three, and P.S., while you were all snoozing, that one over there is shared with two people, and this one over here is shared with another. Do you understand the multiplication effect? Can you imagine how the world would change, how it could turn upside down again? Can you imagine that? Now, here's the reality. As soon as I start talking about telling people about your faith, we all get a little nervous. We all get a little, ooh, mm, mm. We get a little nervous. A couple of you threw up in your mouth. It's okay. It's going to be all right. People get nervous. So I just want to give you three things to make this simple. I want to talk to you. It's, it's live, love, and look. Say that with me. Live, love, look. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them. Live, love, look. Turn around right now. Okay, now here's the reality. You all know what I'm talking about because you all know exactly what I'm talking about. The person behind you today, they have not been paying attention all morning. Tell the person behind you. Live, love, look. Tell the person behind you. Live, love, look. Okay, now let me make this simple for you. Let me make this simple for you. Here's live, love, look. You ready? This is what we ought to think about because we, we complicate this telling people so much. Look, here's live. Number one, what if we actually live the Christian life? Yeah, come on. Like, what if we were actually living it? 
And it's so funny because we were talking about this the other day, this, this very topic, and, and the person I was talking to said, it's hard for me because, man, I hear these athletes, I hear these entertainers, and they talk about Jesus, 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 but then I see their lives, and it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Okay, maybe that's them. I know how I act sometimes. What if Neil was actually living this stuff? Like genuinely, and if it's me, what if it's you? What if we were actually living it? This is one of my favorite quotes. St. Francis of Assisi said this, preach the word at all times, and if necessary, use some words. You understand? Preach it at all times. It's the way we live. It's the way we live. So number one, telling the others about Jesus is earnestly, sincerely living this stuff. Right? Here's love. Love people. This is a hard one for me, man. I know people who tell me they're an evangelist, I'm a preacher, whatever, and I see the way they treat the people. And I see the way they talk to people about Jesus, and it's only condemning. I, I don't think that's loving people. I, what if our attitude toward people was to love them? We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks, what that really means. Like, what if we were living this Christianity for real, and then we were generally loving people, just genuinely loving people, right? Live it. Love people. And then the obvious one, here's look. Yeah, look for manure. Everybody say manure. I don't know why I did that. I just wanted to see if I could get a room full of people to say manure. Good. So this is one of my favorite, favorite parables, Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is telling a parable. Now, you, know, you all know that parables are stories that Jesus makes up because he's trying to teach us something. It's, it's a teaching moment. And so he tells the parable of the sower and the seed. Now that doesn't mean a lot to us because we're not really an agrarian culture, but the sower is the person who's planting seeds. And what they would do is they'd wear a big bag and they literally just walk along the fields like this and they're just throwing seeds, they're sowing seeds. That's what they would do, they just sow seeds. And then he goes on to tell us that there are four types of soil that the seed falls in. There's the hard soil, the rocky soil, there's the thorny soil, and then there's the fertile soil, fertile soil. Now just take a flying guess off the top of your head, which soil produces the most? Yeah, it's the, or it's the fertile soil. It's the fertile soil. It's exactly right. It's the fertile. Now, remember that when Jesus tells a parable, he's trying to tell us something. And we know this, that the really productive soil is the fertile soil. It's the fertile soil. Man, when seed falls onto fertile soil, ooh, it produces. It produces. The seed takes root and it produces, right? And so Jesus is trying to tell us something very specific. And I think one of the points we ought to think and, and just the question we ought to ask is, hmm, what makes soil really fertile? Hey, I'm sorry, back that up. That's, that's too, you've got to, yeah, thank you. What makes soil really fertile? And the answer is manure. Manure makes soil really fertile. And so here's what I would say. I would look for manure. That's what I would do. Now, raise your hand if you've ever had manure in your life. Nobody? Just me. Okay, all right. We've got a few folks with manure in their life. Uh, some of you are in manure right now. Am I right? Okay. I'm not saying that we exploit people. I'm not saying we exploit their circumstances. But I think it's very simple. Look for manure. I think that's what you do. I think it's very obvious. Man, we, there's, a, there's an old saying that says there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Right? When times are really tough, I, I always tell the story about one of my best friends, lifelong friend Tony, going through a terrible divorce, and he, he'll just say, man, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I don't really believe in God, Neil, the way you do. 
but when he was going through a terrible divorce, and it was just destroying him. I was on the phone with him one night, and after we talked for a while, and I just said, hey, T, I said, do you mind if I pray for you? His answer, oh, man, I'd really appreciate that. Because there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, man, when the battle's on. I'd say look for manure. So let me try to make this even simpler for you. Here's what I would say when you see there's manure. First of all, acknowledge, man, that's got to be tough. That's got to be difficult. And then you just ask this question. When things like this happen, like, where do you turn? This kind of stuff happens to you. Like, where do you turn? And where do you find strength? And you can give them some version of that question that comes out of you. But I would ask that question. And then you need to do, shh, just be quiet. And just listen. Because when you listen, you build relational equity. That's what you do. Don't judge. Don't try to fix. Just listen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of that going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just listen. And then after they've finished, then you say this. Hey, do you mind? You ask for permission. Do you mind if I tell you about my faith journey? Or however that comes out of you? Like you've listened. You've built relational equity. And most people are like, sure, go ahead. Go ahead. See, we're the tellers. We're the only tellers. And we don't just tell decent news or good news. We tell the greatest news of all time. But we got to wake up. We got to wake up. So you know this if you've been here a while. If you're new, we always have a big so what at the end. I want to just send you home with a thought. I want to send you home with a thought. So here's your big so what today. The greatest news is no news if the only tellers snooze. Now think about this. You need a pair of shoes. You don't just want a pair of shoes. You need a pair of shoes. Your shoes got a hole in them. Right? And every time you wear them, man, if it rains, if there's wet, whatever, whatever, your feet get soaked. Now you got sores all over your feet. You don't just want shoes. You, you, you got to have them. You need them. And you're talking to a neighbor of yours. And you say that to your neighbor, and your neighbor says, I know, nah, man, me too. Me too. I got to get some shoes. I need some shoes. And about a week later, you run into your neighbor. And they got brand new shoes because you couldn't afford shoes. That was the problem. You go get them, but you can't afford them. You know, shoes, you got to pay what? I don't know what you're going to spend, but maybe, maybe you need some really nice shoes. They were 80 bucks. You're like, I couldn't afford those. You run into this neighbor in about a week and they got brand new shoes on. And they were like $100 shoes. And you said, dude, where you get the shoes? He said, oh, craziest thing. I was walking by Nordstrom over at MOA and they were, they were selling for five bucks. It's the greatest thing ever. And you say in your head, like, well, you didn't tell me. It doesn't mean anything to me because you didn't tell me. It means nothing to me. Right? You were told. And maybe it's not your shoes. Maybe it's somewhere significant, man. Maybe it's your roof. Maybe the roof in your house is bad. And every time it rains, man, rain just comes into your house and it ruins everything. And it makes your life miserable because the roof is leaking. And, 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 and because of that, even when it's not raining, you're always thinking about it. You're worrying and you're worrying and you're worrying. You talk to your neighbor one day. Your neighbor says, I know, man, our houses were built in the same year. I got to have a new roof too. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got to have a new roof, but I can't afford it. You say, I can't afford it? They want to charge me $5,000. I don't have $5,000. And then a week later, you're over at your neighbor's house. And there's workers, they're stripping the old roof and they're putting up a new roof and your neighbor comes out and he's like, dude, you're getting a new roof. Where'd you get the money? 
And your neighbor said, oh, I didn't have it. But I found out this roofing place just wants to do some good. And for the whole day, they were taking whoever would call gets a new roof for five bucks. You're like, why didn't you tell me? I needed a new roof. It's the greatest thing ever. It doesn't matter to you because you didn't know about it. Okay, now stop. We got the greatest news ever. Question, who needs what a lot of you have found? Answer, everybody. Everybody needs it. It's the greatest news ever. The problem is the greatest news is no news if the only teller snooze. Because I think we fall asleep sometimes. I'm just speaking for myself. And maybe I just preached to me today. But maybe, maybe there's one folk in here, two folks in here that can identify. Maybe we're not looking for opportunities. Maybe we're not ready. We're not ready. Now, Paul was writing, remember this, remember what Paul said to us? He said, how can they call unless they believe? How can they believe if they never heard? How would they hear if no one tells them? Okay, now watch, because here's the very next verse. Look in your Bibles, he says this. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And so this morning I'm fixing to fix that because y'all are about to get sent. Everybody in this room is gonna get sent. You're gonna get commissioned. You're gonna get certified this morning. Now this is me, and some of you do the same. I don't carry a wallet. I got one of these. This says I'm certified to drive a car. Brad, you've ridden with me before. It's not good, but I'm certified. <laughs> I'm certified. The state says I'm certified to drive a car. I'm out of here, man. I'm getting in my car and I'm driving. I got one of these. This thing says, I'm certified to go spend my brains out. I can shop like a crazy man. You say, no, you shop. I say, I'm certified. I'm certified. I've been certified. Y'all are going to get certified this morning. And then after you get certified, you're going to get one of these. And our team has made these. And uh, you're all getting one of these on the way out. The ushers are going to hand you. It's a plastic card. It says, I've been sent. Cedar Valley Church. I'm sent. And on the back side, it has the verse that we had. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? You're all about to get sent. Let's stand to our feet. The greatest news is no news if the only tellers snooze. Uh-uh. We're going to be prepared. We're going to be ready. We're going to live this Christian life. We're going to love people, and we're going to look for manure. Amen? If you're new, we don't usually say manure and then amen in that order. It's just it's a different kind of day. So I'm going to ask you to do this, and some of you are more expressive. Than that. I'm just going to ask you to hold your hands out, and I'm going to commission you right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, you are now commissioned by the power of God, by the Holy Spirit who lives in you. You are commissioned to tell the greatest news ever to a world that desperately needs it. You're commissioned, you're sent. You're not sent by Neil Rich, you're not sent by Cedar Valley Church, you are sent by and with the power of the Holy Spirit, you are sent. And so Holy Spirit, empower us, empower us, Holy Spirit, empower us to tell the good news to tell the greatest news of all time. Empower us, Holy Spirit. And now, Father, we pray as we leave this place that we would go be the church to a lost and hurting world.
that desperately needs a Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.